Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places a dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 228, recorded live February 5th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed, coming to you from the recently recovered and germ-free side of the state of Michigan. I'm Darren Jilson. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How you doing today, Mac? <coughs> I don't think it's germ-free. <laughs> not, not germ-free yet. I, 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 I've thoroughly sterilized. And also joining us this week, we have Jim Schultz. How you doing today, Jim? <laughs> yeah, maybe not as germ-free as we were hoping for. I want to apologize to everybody for the last couple of weeks. I had to travel on work a week, uh, was it two weeks ago now? You know, went through the Windy City, caught a plane on the puke tube, and uh, I think I caught something. And then last week I was planning on being back and recording, and about an hour before the show I couldn't stop coughing, and I thought this is not going to be a good one, so we just delayed. So hopefully we'll make it up this week, and you, we appreciate you coming back and listening. So how are you guys doing? It seems like forever oh, since I've talked. I don't have the measles. No measles? And Jim, last time you were you had just gotten back in town when I saw you. We had a mud club meeting. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I got back that day, so no, I'm doing good. Good. Didn't even have a tan. No tan. Well, the, you know, wetsuit covers that up. Well, I looked at his leg, tried to anyway, and uh, he said he had pants on one day. Maybe that's why he didn't have the, any tan on the legs either. Ah, uh, that, that, that could, it's possible. Didn't realize you were checking out my legs, Mac. I had more information that I really wanted to know. That's not what you said last time. <laughs> it has been a while since we've been on the on the air. Now that I think of it. Yeah, at least. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get the news out of the way, and we'll talk. And then we can get to the good scuba stuff. But we've got a follow up on the story out of Florida. If you remember, there was a Clearwater man who was having a dispute with Groupon in a dive shop down there. Uh, he had uh, paid $756 for a scuba diving lesson, or it's for four, which is, that seems cheap. 756 to Groupon for four scuba diving lessons. But then he went to use them. He was told he had to purchase equipment about $500 each. The fine print on the Groupon clearly says equipment can be rented at $20 a night, but they said it was a misprint and they wouldn't honor it. Well, it's now, as it turns out, they've uh, the money mysteriously got back into his bank account. <laughs> so everything's good and even. So it goes to prove you make enough of a, of a stink and uh, people decide to make good. Has anybody here used a Groupon? Coupon? Uh, Groupon? I haven't. I know people who have. And typically they're, you know, we, we've had uh, what I call local competition to like a Groupon. Uh, some of the super saver coupon, coupon, like you get that coupon book. Oh yeah. And I know uh, having businesses that is advertised in that before, they usually will only let you go in if you put on ridiculous coupons. Uh, you know, usually it's buy one, get one free type. Uh, in fact, that's how uh, one of those coupon books is how Jim Kleeman and I got our dive lessons. It was uh pay for one, 
the other dive lesson was free or half off. I think it was actually. Uh, and then a, a lot of them, like there's a bake a bakery in South Bend that did a, a Groupon for, you know, buy four cupcakes, get four free. And it, they said it about bankrupted them <laughs> because they, how many they sold. But, uh, yeah, there's, well, there's another, what's the other thing? You got Groupon and then there's another one. So well, I used a Groupon for an item a couple of years ago, and it took me a year and a half to get my money back. Oh, you did? You, you so you bought something with Groupon, and then you didn't use it? Yeah, we've had some some aviation related items like that, and uh, for whatever reason, the establishment moved, and that was on hold. And but uh, uh, we eventually got our money back, but it it took a little bit of perseverance and continuation. You couldn't yeah. just sit back on your ass; otherwise, you would lose your money. Yeah. Yeah, because Groupon will stand behind it to an extent, but they really, uh, Groupon, and I haven't followed them in the last year or so, but they they were having a problem with, uh, they have very high expenses. They they have salespeople in local areas, so as far as a business setup, they spend a lot of money uh, driving the sales. So when they go and sell something, they're counting on a certain income to come from those deals, and when it doesn't, it hurts their business model. I have seen it, I, I won't say Groupon per se, but I have seen the, the coupons used such for skydiving. And when the people get there for the skydive, because it's really a good rate, mm-hmm. it doesn't count. Oh, by the way, you still got to pay for the, the to rent the parachute and the rig and a helmet. And a, so yeah. by the time you add those back into it, you didn't save anything. Yeah, and that's not supposed to be how it works. And a lot no. of the, and they're supposed a dive, to. A, a jump or a dive is that with the equipment. Yeah. But like uh, like one of the the organizations that you know, my family donates a lot of time to, the Heston Steam Museum, they'll do a Groupon deal, and the, I believe the Groupon deal is you you know for fifty bucks you get so many train rides, and it's usually two to three times the deal you would get if on a normal weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know th- they like to do it because sometimes it will get the money earlier on. You know, like in a seasonal business, right. if you do it in the off season, you get that income coming in. And then you pre-sell, but you know, then sometimes you're cannibalizing your revenue later on. So it's the same thing: coupon books, coupons, all those run the same situation. Like here, what it appears they were doing, because like when I took my scuba lesson, you pay for the lesson, but then you were expected to buy your mask, your fins, your snorkel, but there was no requirement you had to buy it with that shop, and it would not be five hundred dollars each for those items. So this almost makes it appears that. You know, yeah, you got lessons for what would that come out to be for four people? Like one ninety per person, but they're really then forcing you to take a five hundred dollar per person package for gear. You know, they're just they're just changing where they're what they're charging the money into, bait and switch almost. Yeah. So that's what you got to be aware of, and I and it's just not this organization, but it's it's other ones as well. You know, anything you're doing with those, you got to read the fine print and understand what you're getting. Uh, also ask somebody, like if, if, you know, say this was skydiving, find somebody who does skydiving, have them look at the deal and verify it for you because maybe there's something that's unique into the industry and he's going to go, oh, yeah, of course you're going to, yeah, it might cover some things. Well, today, for example, I'm I'm looking, uh, I, I want to do some sort of trip with my wife and I uh, later in the year and you go on the websites and you get this great rate. Well, many times taxes isn't included. And one of the deals was they're going to give you, uh, if you booked today, a $20 per day drink credit. But it said you had to pay the resort fee, which just happened to be $20. So you didn't get anything. Yeah, my, my key would be 
read the fine print just like you said, and also look at the time limit that if it's a one-year item, well, around here, jumping is only six months of the year. And then again, jumping is dependent upon weather. So look at the variables to make sure you're going to be able to get to where you need to go to use your coupon or Groupon. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you can't, if you can't take advantage of the deal, then you've pretty much lost out. Yeah. Well, and then we have the uh, let's see, buried treasure in Lake Michigan, and uh, so what they're what's going on is that I think this is a follow up to the guys who say they found the Griffin, and what they're looking for is a three hundred and thirty year old shipwreck containing a sunken box car with two million in missing Confederate gold. That's not three hundred thirty five years. No. 1870. Yeah, I think that's just a funny sentence the way the article wrote it. So they were looking for the boxcar with gold. And not the ship. They didn't care about the ship, just the boxcar? Well, what it is, is a lot of them, Jim probably knows some of this also, but a lot of ships in rough weather jettison cargo to save the ship. Uh-huh. It's anticipated that they might have got rid of a couple of boxcars as they're progressing down trying to save the boat. So which boat is this? Do they say? Uh, I have my notes, but I'd have to go find my notes. Oh, I looked the, at them, did a little research. Yeah, they said uh, they weren't actually looking for the Griffin. Though what they're uh, instead looking for is the lost boxcar believed to contain $2 million in stolen Confederate bullion valued at $126 million today with historic ties to the Traverse City area. Duo believes the treasure was dumped from a ferry into Lake Michigan off the coast of Frankfurt. We found one train car out there already. Oh, Explaining how heavy boxcars were often shed in the sides of ferries during storms to save them from stinking. We know there are some more. The ferries are coming in and out of Frankfurt all the time. We believe it is out there. Well, that'd be that'd be cool to dive in a boxcar, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, it would be nice to find one unopened. Do you think that, what kind of condition would a boxcar be in if it just fell off in a storm? Well, just like a barge. Whatever was carrying. Yeah, because I guess you could have a, a, a little buoyant. It wouldn't, I'm just picturing like a it would come down in such a force that it would break open, but it would probably, as it flipped into the water, the heavy part would go down, which would be the trucks, the wheels of the of the train car. And a lot of those were wood. They weren't metal like they are nowadays. Oh, okay. So then remember, it could. Think of the old Westerns. I don't, I don't All I remember is the guy turning the handbrake and sparks going everywhere. Uh, if you're wondering, uh, yeah, they, they go on to talk about some of the state laws, which said that Michigan law states artifacts are covered on state land, including the Great Lakes bottom land, belong to the state. But they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Their main priority is to see historically significant items return to the state. That wouldn't be my goal. Uh, if someone else found it and didn't try to keep anything, it would just be as happy for them as, as I would for us. That's our biggest concern. Okay. Well, that's a little bit more information about what they're looking for, because I was kind of wondering. They said before. It's quite interesting, and uh, the how he did his research to, to find out why he believes it's where it is is very convoluted, but interesting, and always has that bit of plausibility in there. Meaning it could be that way. You mean as far as the box car? Right, and how the guy who stole the gold got it up when there's the old report that it was at a different train wreck. It, it's quite involved. Jim, have you read up on that one? Actually, I've been reading the articles uh, while you guys were talking, catch up on it. And uh, there's enough links here that it's, it's viable. Now, are these guys divers who just kind of caught on to the story, or are they just a traditional treasure hunter that eventually led them to water? Well, uh, no, I, I think the first. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, Frederick, he's a he's a scuba diver instructor and treasure hunter from Muskegon, and he's been thinking about that since 1973. 
Oh, wow. And it's one of these deathbed statements made by his grandfather that got him started into it. And then he, he worked with another gentleman, Kevin Dykstra, and he shared that information with him a couple of years back. And they uh, they really then started doing a research project on it. Oh. And then they, they found like who it was, like Colonel Minty buried it in Lincoln County, Georgia. When the colonel retired to Jackson, Michigan, there's your link. And then it, it goes through who married whom. But the gentleman became superintendent of the freight of the Atlantic and Gulf Railway. And it, it goes and it's convoluted, but it goes from there all the way up to here. You know, th- this would this sounds like a Clive Cussler plot, doesn't it? It could you know, very it well be. be. Yeah, because you could do that, and then there would be some, you know, spy, and they had something that, you know, said that somebody was something else. Yeah, it, uh, and, yeah. somebody mm-hmm. needs to give Clive a little tip, and it might be in a book coming up. Did any of you happen to look at the charts for Travis City, the depth chart? It it's, gets deeper quicker up there, doesn't it? It does. Yes, and it also does. the the bay there can get pretty deep. So if you start looking at that, then they're looking a lot deeper, and they're not using a, uh, a hummingbird side scan if you're really going to find something. Right. So what they're using, I don't know, but it, they must have some money to, to be involved in it. Otherwise, you're not going to find a boxcar, not with our hummingbird, yeah. at that kind of depth unless you're towing it really shallow. Well, you think about if they found that one vessel— Unless they picked up cannons, you know, they're not using magnetometers, I wouldn't think. They didn't go into details of what equipment they're using. No. But again, depending on which version you have, a 6,000 pounds worth 126 million at today's gold prices, you might spend a little to make something. Yeah, plus it's fun. But, but when you were talking about that, I, I would have thought they'd have been talking about Poverty Island Treasure. Now, that's $400 million, and that's in northern Lake Michigan. You know that one, right? No. Five chests of French gold reputedly lost when pirates sank the vessel carrying the, the cargo in 1860. It's that's a, a better one because right now and right now that's still active. Is Liber is an heir to the sunken schooner that is the one that's supposed to have the chest on it. It was reported mm. that guys were looking for it. These guys found it, but their boat sank before they got to shore. That, that's Captain Lawrence. It's a six-five-foot uh, schooner sank in uh, 1933 because he was hunting for the gold. They believe he found it, but it sank, and everybody died before he got back shore. So now, when you say he found it, he found it and had it on the other vessel? Yes. So the key is they say, if I can find this boat, that's where the money's going to be. And what they're trying to do is get title to it so they can't declare it as abandoned, and it belongs to the state. Because he found the relative or one of the, you know, the, the lineage as it goes down. Mm-hmm. They found that guy. He has given them permission to look for it because he wants to solve the issue of his his great, great, great something. And, of course, would share in the wealth. Right. That's enough to go around and prevent the state from saying it's uh, abandoned and there. Right. But it's interesting. Oh, yeah. That was that was pretty good because the ship was reportedly discovered, rediscovered in 1993. But he believes the treasure is near that wreck. And he's not going to tell you where that is. Hmm. And, of course, then the third one, which everybody knew about anyway, was the Westmoreland, right? Right. $10,000 yeah. in gold coins. And that was just recently found by a friend, right? Yeah, yeah. By Ross Rich. Well, the, yeah, the hull by... was found, but uh, the, uh, the upper works, they believe, was found earlier. Yeah, it was found in the what the, the early teens. Uh, no, I was thinking in the, the I was thinking it was in the 40s. Maybe it was earlier than that. It, it, was, uh, it was a pioneer in some of the hard hat type of diving. But, you know, you figure Ross found it, what, June, July 7th, 2010? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how deep is she? 165. So you don't have a lot of time to spend down there. No. 
No. So that's when they said goal, I thought you were going to talk about the other two, but it's still interesting. It is. Yeah. See, that, that's a topic, you know, Michigan yeah. gold ships. You could probably do a book just on that. Uh, well, I like the Poverty Island thing. So if we had the, the right equipment, that would be fun to look for. Well, and then Lake Mead's kind of back again. An, another article came up. And what we're referring to is the World War II era bomber that was doing some experiments. And uh, th this one had a little bit more detail. I didn't realize that part of their testing, it was the what Sun Tracker. And that is part what they're doing is they're try they're testing missile systems. And that one of the tests they were that they would do, were frequently do was they would get high up in the air and then dive bomb the surface of the lake and trying to get within a hundred feet of the lake. And they think that on a particular day there was a glare and the pilot didn't realize how deep he was and he misjudged his depth and skidded across and that's when it sank. And found the lake. <laughs> yeah, he found the lake. So right now they're saying that the water levels are a little bit less than 110 feet deep, and uh, they're still talking about the concession. Now this article, what I liked about it, did you see the, the image in there? I hadn't seen that image before. shows a schematic uh, of the wreck. So it looks like it came down on kind of a little indentation, broke the tail off. Well, I think is interesting is when they first started looking at this baby, she was at 300 feet. Yes. And now it's down to, like you said, just a little over 100. Yeah, so They're losing a heck of a lot of water. They, they've lost 100, 190 feet of water. Yeah. Wow. Talk about drought. Well, yeah. take a look. Yes. Take a look at the uh, satellite photos for the last four years of Hoover Dam. It is freaking amazing and scary. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not recovering any of that water. Doesn't seem like it. Damn fracking, right? It's all leaking down. It's, it's le leaking down. <laughs> Plunging water levels have made the site, site much more accessible, likely much cheaper for recreational scuba divers, although they would still like to be accompanied by approved guides. The Park Service plans offer two-year commercial use permit, allowing guides to take up to 100 divers per year down to the wreck. Now, they said they that they banned people from the wreck because it was too deep and they thought it was dangerous. Why would depth be the reason you would not let somebody in a wreck? When it's 300 feet, liability, knowingly letting people go in, you'd have to qualify them. I'm not sure how the waiver system would work. It's like, like the sport depth, I think, for, for the preserves. Why is it at 130 feet? Because that's a sport depth limit. And they are basically encouraging you to die, correct? Come see our wreck. Spend your money. Yeah, I guess. So do they do the same thing with uh, back on skydiving? Do they do the same thing there? Uh, depending on who you go to, sometimes it's a three-page and you're signing your freaking life away. And nowadays, most of them video you doing it, then verbally talk to you and say, do you understand you have just signed the following and you promise not to blah, 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 because so they can't come back, meaning anybody if that ever came down to having to sue somebody because they're dead, is they did it. They're over 21. They knew what they were doing. Right. Don't come back and try to tell and me. They, and that, it's probably helpful for a jury if a jury can see that you really did sign off on it. Right. And the guy wasn't drunk page, when he signed the Oh, darn it. Let's see. What time is this? I'm going to have to clip that junk out. I pulled up a web page and it started auto-playing on a pop-up page. Ugh. Never heard it. Well, you didn't, but it made the recording. 24 minutes. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. Um, now, how about this one? And we're talking about Groupons. This is even a worse deal. A scuba dive shop in Doral was issuing fake certifications. This according to authorities. Attorney General Pam Bondi filed a complaint against Ocean Hunters Dive Center, 4005 Northwest 114th Avenue in Doral. The complaint said the shop charged about 300 people between 149 and 399 for fraudulent certification cards. 
And here's a quote. My wife and I were recently getting ready to go on a very expensive dive vacation, thinking that the certification she received from Ocean Hunters was legitimate. This according to uh, Timothy K., a, a Yelp user. The dive shop instructors are a disgrace to the diving community. The store owner, Abadel Falcon, is accused of lying to customers. Authorities are seeking to ban him from providing any open water scuba diving certification. Falcon was not author- was not an authorized Paddy instructor, as he claimed to be, authorities are also face, said he's facing civil penalties amounting in $10,000 per violation of the Florida Deceptive and Under Unfair Trade Practices Act. Falcon is also facing penalty of 15000 for each violation involving senior citizens. That's what, about $3 million in? 300 oh. times that? Yeah. <coughs> That's going to be a little... Uh... Hit to the pocketbook. I'm How, curious why would you do that and think you're going to get away with it? What about the senior citizens? I'm curious about what them at. Well, I, I'm i guessing that they've got additional, you know, kind of like how they have uh, drug fines are doubled in school zones. They've probably got something if you're preying on the senior citizens. There's well, an I'm additional trying to figure, charge. What, what would you do and sign enough for scuba classes? Yeah, of course. I was just curious. Yeah, I, I think I know a few people over that are AARP members who dive. <laughs> Starting out? <laughs> Heck, yeah. what do you got to be, like 36 to be AARP now? I don't know. I think I started getting my stuff from then at 45. Yeah, it doesn't take them long. Well, Jim doing those young guys. I'm sure he can, he can tell us more about that AARP stuff. Sure, 50. 50. <laughs> Have you got your card? Yeah, I got my card. <laughs> I got brought it at 55. Brought to you for the Ameri- by the American Association for Retired People. Uh, this next retired? one is, what's that? Retired people? Isn't it retired? AARP? American Association of Retired People? I thought it was American <laughs> Association of Retarded. Ah. That's why I joined. <laughs> we weren't going to bring that part up, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a couple versions. Uh, Naver proposes new pier on a popular Los An- oh, Port Angeles diving spot. Uh, Navy plans to build a new pier and support buildings on Eddie's Hook in Port Angeles. The one of the proposed sites is right on top of popular recreation diving and fishing spot. The $16 million plan includes three proposed sites along a three-mile sand split that separates Port Angeles from the Strait of uh, Juan de Fuca. I need someone from California to translate for me. One site is near an existing pier. Other is the end of the split. The third is right on top of an artificial reef known by divers and fishers as the rock pile. Howard Cunningham, who owns uh, Straight Scuba, says the Navy builds in a rock pile would be a big loss, not just for divers, but for his business. He he brings beginning divers a spot all the time. He says there's hardly any current. There's a lot of stuff to look for compared to other spots. And we'd also lose some business renting a charter boat. The next closest dive spot is about an hour and a half run from here. Navy says they need a new construction to support vessels that escort submarines from Bangor Air Force Base through Hood Canal. Public can weigh in at a meeting in Thursday night, which is tonight, in the Naval Elks Lodge in Port Angeles from 6 to 8 p.m. Public comments can also be submitted until February 25th. It'll I was... be interesting what the public comment is and what happens after. Well, well, did you look at the second picture on that? I, I did. Right there by the airport. Well, that's no, what I was sorry. trying to figure out. You're talking about the one that shows the map? Well, yeah, the, you, the first one shows all the fish, which looks just like the, the drop-off there in Michigan City, <laughs> almost. Yeah. The second map shows the uh, Straits, which looks like a Navy support base on that little island or peninsula. Mm-hmm. If they're in that area, I, I think the Navy's going to win out. Well, I would think so, too. I was looking at it. I was trying to figure out how do you even get there? Isn't, isn't there some, like, exclusion zone around a port like that? 
I, without looking at a bigger map, I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, because they, they show an entrance guard station, and then they have the jetty. But I couldn't find out where the rock pile was. Did the, do you see? Can you tell by the drawing? Is it the eastern site there, the Alt-2 eastern yeah, site? If they, remember they said an existing if you look in front of it, it looks like there. Oh, you're breaking up there. Let me see if we've got... No, the internet still looks like it's doing good. You still there, Mac? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, you just uh, it just went digital for some reason. Uh, but you're saying it's you're thinking it's at the existing pier? Well, they talked about existing pier. It said one of the three spots. Uh huh. And it says alternate one, alternate three, and alternate two. So those are the three spots. So one and I can see to... why it's it's protected. So it's going to definitely give you a good area. Yeah. And I was looking on where that active helo ops theory, if you look at the, the view, you can see it's got to be shallow there. As you can see, anchor drags. And out here on this side, it looks pretty deep. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a that's nice a little piece of... That's a support base. Yeah. Now, what are those in the in the left side? There's like a grid network. What are those? Oh, at the end of the runways? No, not at the end of the runways. In the water. There's like the, the yeah, squares. That's, that's what I was curious. I don't know if that looks like, you know, those traps you make or uh, artificial. And they did talk about an artificial part, right? You mean like for where people do the clams or they've got the... Artificial reef, they said, right? In that write-up? Oh, okay. That could be that one. Oh. And that's not really Navy. That's a Coast Guard. That's, uh, it's a Coast Guard airstrip there. Yeah. Well, oh, and they're saying that the Coast Guard are the ones who are giving them the escort. So is now, is it, why are they escorting? Is they, they escorting them for uh, just... The run aground? I would imagine they're escorting to keep other uh, spectators away from the nuke boat. Oh. Use as a buffer. Oh, so the submarine has a route, and then they just happen to be the surface vessel supporting. Right, because then if you got the peaceniks like they used to, they'd come out and try to put their boats in front of the sub. Oh. And the other one to act as a, as a blockade runner, you'd go out there and make a move or run over them. Oh, okay. I don't think they do that anymore nowadays. No, but, but uh, I mean, if you've got the concession that pays to make sure they get out, that's probably pretty good money. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I really don't have an opinion on this. And you hate to lose a dive spot, but I'm not sure. Like the rock pile, why is the rock pile there? Is that a natural rock pile or is it an old pier that the Navy put out in the first place and you now don't want them to reuse it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think that they've got much of a chance of on this one. Maybe they can negotiate. Maybe they can make them uh, sink a Navy boat out there and then they have a dive spot somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's right. They banned those. A little bit farther up the coast uh, in Seattle, they've got octopus counts. If you remember a couple of years ago, there was that uh, gentleman who killed the octopus on the in the water and raised all the stink. Yeah, legally he legally did that. Yeah, he legally did it. He and just God probably the hell he probably wasn't too tactful in his approach to it though. Yeah. But now that that's a, a nature preserve area, uh, they decide uh, they got volunteers who are trying to track the octopus they don't they're not endangered so there's not any money in formal studies so volunteers are filling in the gap the octopus which they say is considered to be one of the smarter animals in the water they said the puget sound offers a good habitat water temperatures abundant food source for this for the octopus according to Catherine kegel of the seattle aquarium he said they are big hunters of crabs clams and scallops so 20 severs have looked for the octopus on 11 sites around the puget sound they said this year the census counted 28. The year before they only counted 17. They said it's not super scientific since it's all volunteers. And they said that they naturally go through these cycles. You know, they mate, die off, and then the population builds back up again. I, I, I'd go looking, but I don't think I'd get any closer than 22 feet from them. Well, we've seen a plenty of videos where 
the octopus take exception to you and try to steal your camera or mask? Well, they were saying, what, 150 pounds, tentacles up to 20 feet? So I figured out, weighed 22 foot, I got just a little edge. Just a little bit? 150 pounds? That's a pretty beefy octopus when you think about it. I'll stay away. Yeah, I'll stay away too, 22 feet at least. In this next article, well, it didn't say a whole lot. I do have to agree with the the sediment of the diet. Sediment. (laughs) The the stuff on the bottom. Sentiment. (laughs) This one's from the Daily Telegraph in the UK. Uh, Dan Murphy, a general manager of Into Derby, reveals his unusual method for unwinding from the workplace. He says it's scuba diving. He's been diving most weekends on and off for 15 years. He says, I probably go two out of four weekends at this time of year around Great Britain. He also goes to Lake Districts and goes to Scotland, Devon, all over the place. You can go out of Scotland and find a shipwreck of the Second World War. They're 30 meters underwater. I've got three daughters. Sometimes they come with me, although they're not so keen to go in the water this time of year. Ah, those fair weather divers. Temperature-wise, not too bad if you're wearing wetsuits. Typically, we're underwater for an hour and your body quickly adjusts to the cold. Yeah, it just means it gets numb. Yeah, I, I, I understand what he's saying. So he talks about some of the wrecks he does, but what, the one thing that he says is uh, he definitely recommend diving to others. It's one of those things that reboots the brain. You can't think about work or to-do list. You can't think, oh, I need to call that person back. All you think about is diving, and I absolutely agree. That's one of the things that I enjoy about it. It's, it's like meditation. You notice the quality of the equipment that guy's got? Those are Poseidons. Oh, do they? Let me see. Oh, yeah, he does have a Poseidon. Oh, and he's got a reserve off to the right. See his yellow? Yeah. Also Poseidon. Yeah. That's a pretty cool picture, too. That's a nice selfie. Yeah, whenever you can get somebody in the back doing a, uh, what do they call those when they get somebody, photobomb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they have an idea. He knew that that uh, sea lion was back there, but I definitely agree. And then Bonterra Mine has been named one of the coolest places in America. It's a nice place to die. And I was hoping to go this year. I, it just Time is just not on my side. Again, I wish they would get that elevator working or at least that rope that they could haul gear up and down so I don't have to haul my, my stuff. Do they have one that does that? They have. They've had a line to go up. It looks like a well, but they used it for lowering and gear, meaning for the mine. If they, they automated that so they could haul gear up and down at an extra fee, they'd have a lot more people, I think. Maybe we should call them up and recommend it. Uh, we talked to them at Our World Underwater last year, and we mentioned that to them, and there was really no plan. Remember? Or were you there when we talked to them? No, I wasn't They actually there. had used Explorer Scout as, as Gunga Dins if you wanted to contribute. You know what I mean? And they'd haul you gear up to young guys. Uh-huh. You don't know about this story, right? No, I, did, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear about it. I've, I've never been there. Okay. Um, they had that for a while, and that worked good, but then they had some issues that came up that they, they stopped using the people. But I, I would go if I didn't have to haul my gear up and down again. I'm just not into that anymore. Yeah, they said it's beautifully preserved time capsule. Guests are transported the early 1900s as they ascend 65 steps to the heart of the mine. So you're saying it's a little bit more than 65? Well, you don't have to carry your tank, but you got to carry your BC and weight. And as we do get a little older, that's a long trek up there. Yeah. I, I agree. Jeff, yeah. you've been there, haven't you? Yeah, I have. You mean they don't have like one of those like little stair ma- uh, stair chairs where you like sit down and it like motors you down? No. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. See, that would work. Going down is not so bad. It's, those steps are a lot of steps Try to carry all your gear back up at one time. It is for me. Yeah. But uh, YahooTravel.com has gone state by state for the 50th coolest things in America. 
And for Missouri, it was the Bon Terra Mine that won. The nice part is now that if you, you have somebody who's not a diver, they've got the boat tours on the surface. That's a nice little item if you, if you as an auxiliary item to do. Right. That would be neat if they could, if they could like synchronize that. So like if my wife went on that, like at the end of the dive, you somehow met somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Boat tour could pass over the divers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oh, I still don't right, think my wife you has. The boat, you see where the boat is right now? In the photo? Yeah. Yeah. All right, move the boat back, and that's where you can go in at. But if you drop your weight belt, you're screwed. Do you know how deep it is right there? No. Approximately 165 feet, as I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, they'll go get it for a fee. <laughs> it may not be 165, but it was rather deep at that particular point. Wow, so it starts off pretty deep then. Yeah. There's some good photos in the, the article. I hadn't quite seen these. And I've heard, uh, talking to a few people who've been there recently, like uh, Rich, that they've the, there's some money starting to get back into it. It did get a little out of sorts and it seems to be coming back i think i had the old video when Cousteau was in there when he made it then it, it became really popular on the circuit for a while back in the 70s and 80s yeah because i can remember him him doing it that was that about the time he also did the great lakes yes yeah, yeah. i think the last three times we went though there was a death there the week before we got there oh yeah was that the heart attack from carrying the gear I- <laughs> Uh, no, I think one was, I think, suspected murder. Guy got rid of his girlfriend and wife. It, it, diving? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, they, they were, these were uh, uh, guide-led. They tours. are, but there's opportunities. <laughs> so there's opportunities. So he like, took like a something from an old dive car and strapped his wife to it? or No, not not quite that nefarious. But uh... Wow. Jim, when did you last go? Man, it's been years. Because yeah, we normally, I think, used to go like in February when everybody couldn't yeah. dive here. We'd go there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would be this would be perfect time of the year, right about now. Yeah, February was when we used to go down. Yeah, it's about it, it's uh, a, eight hour drive, seven eight hour drive from here. Yeah, it's at least worth one time going there and doing you know at least two dives. Uh, we used to do two Saturday. We do two Sunday. We do one then beat feet home. Yeah. Well, I, I I remember when I first found out the company that bought company I worked for was in Missouri that I was going to get a chance to go and and dive there but from where I go it's 7 hours away so it's we're just as close here in Michigan as as I was in Missouri. Mm. Wow. Not the the direction I needed to go. And then here we've got another one uh, another shipwreck has been discovered and I have no idea where this is. The Bay of Benegal. They found another uh, sunken ship on a coral reef. This is according to Bucks. The sunken ship had 150 to 175 years old, and we went 68 feet deep inside the sea and spent nearly three and a third hours underwater. Well, I'm looking at the names and the Bay of Bengal. That sounds like near India. I'm just not. This said uh, near Panthakakata. Yes, I think that's India. At Puri. I'm not even going there. Yeah, those are just not words that... I typically say. So looking at the great big book of everything, the Bay of Benegal is in near India. That's a that's huge area. Yeah. The bay occupies 2,172,000 square kilometers. So you might as well say like Lake Michigan. <laughs> Somewhere in Lake Michigan. Yeah. So huge. So somebody found a shipwreck. We make more every day. So, but uh, good for them. 150 to 175 years old. Did you realize that there's an average of three major ships sunk a week somewhere in the world? Yeah, I've uh, I was kind of surprised when I heard the number, but then you think about it, it makes sense. 
Uh, well, considering of... Lloyd's of London for 2012, just for that one year, they lost over 2,000 sailors. Wow. Because yeah, Lloyd's of London is the major insurer of maritime. It sure seems like it. Well, I know that's one of the things when we do uh, these economic embargoes in countries, that tends to be one of the most powerful ways it happens because Lloyd's won't insure somebody that's been embargoed and their shipping tends to dry up because they have no way of funding of insuring it. And if you can't insure a vessel, you can't get people to want to put stuff on it. Unless you're an outlaw. Yeah. Then here we have, this one's in the UK, a woman goes scuba diving and stumbles upon a 10,000-year-old underwater jungle. A uh, scuba diver claims to discover the ancient forest that's remained submerged for over 10,000 years. Don Watson, who was diving off the North Sea and Norfolk coast in the UK, made discovery when she veered off her normal course. As she continued swimming, she emerged in the midst of what she described as a large oak tree, some with branches measuring eight meters long, lying in the sea floor. To start with, I initially thought it was a piece of a wreck. It just looked like a piece of hull. It wasn't until I looked really close I realized it was actually solid wood. The forest is believed to be part of the ancient landmass known as Doggerland, which once linked Great Britain to the rest of Europe and disappeared under rising sea levels about 6,000 years ago. For decades, fishermen in the North Sea have been dragging up bones and artifacts from the long-vanished world. So Does that water... look like a jungle to me? The water level's gone up a little bit, I would say. You think? Let's see. Did she say how deep she was? Well, diving, well, that 300 meters off the coast doesn't mean down the coast, down the water. Yeah, she doesn't look super deep in that photo. No, I mean, she can't be cold. I see starfish and naked hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess she's probably maybe 30, 40 feet deep there. I wonder if that's because climate change. Yeah. Here we go again. Yeah, there you go. Could be. Must have been, yeah. Get everybody climate all riled up. Change. Yeah, 10,000 years ago. God, they burned too many trees, I suppose. <laughs> it's those farting mammoths they were growing. Okay. How would you know that wood if it's covered in coral and all that? I don't know. Peel the coral just off? Just curious. Do they have oak trees in a jungle? I don't know. I, I think that's just a little uh, author's liberty there. Like we were talking about earlier? I mean, do, you, is it, do they literally mean a jungle or are they just saying it was, there's some forest? When I read underwater jungle, I keep thinking tropic, don't you? I would. A jungle, yeah, I mean, I would, Tarzan. I would think tropics. So yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, you you got to name stuff. You got they got editors who go through and say, now that headline wasn't interesting enough. You need to let's change forest with jungle. Now, how about this one? This is uh, they got a little bit of a video, and these are skydivers, kind of the to continue on with our theme. They leap from a plane, parachute straight into the sea to scuba on the Great Barrier Reef. Now, I was looking at it, <laughs> and at first I didn't see any tanks. He's he's jumping out now. He's got fins on. And a mask. And and he's got like, what was that, like a skin suit maybe underneath some shorts? Yeah, a rash suit. Yeah. And he's got a snorkel, which I think they did mostly for the image. And yeah. then uh, they went up in a helicopter and jumped out. But when they're landing, they've already got their scuba gear down there. Now, there's a picture there I looked at. And they're, I mean, could they snorkel down, picked up the gear that's already pre-staged for them? Yes. That's not the way you do it, is it, Mac? Hell no. <laughs> is know, that cheating? Man, oh, man, I'll take the tank with you, man. You got to take the tank with you. Oh, yeah. Had an opportunity to do that earlier in the year and didn't do it. But with that gentleman who now works down at our local dive shop, there's facilities available that if I had the opportunity, we can do it. Hmm. can do it. Yeah. A rescue diver rig would work really well. Well, then we may have to do something like that. Yep. So he said uh, they swam, they, they parachuted out. Snorkel down the water, swam down the bottom, get your tank, and then scuba dove in the Great Barrier Reef. And, now, that and, one picture and, with the guys with the uh, white and green and black canopy, 
I think he he fudged just a little bit. I think he cut away as he hit the water. What do you mean? That means he, he like he uh... he got rid of the canopy before he went in. Why would you do that? Well, if if there's a current or something like in the lake or something, you don't want to get caught and have that drag you downstream and drown your ass. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So once, so when would you do? Once your feet touch the water, you'd release the canopy. No, oh, I got some video of me of doing that. But you, uh, you, you really don't. You want to flare it so you're in the water. Canopy's going to be behind you. If you want to cut away, then you can cut away. If you got a current, you're in the river or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it would be fun. I would, I would do this. Yes, that's a nice, safe way. I'd be fun to do though. Yeah. So we just need to go down to the Australia, rent a helicopter, and we could do that. We could do this in Lake Michigan, man. Come on, Lake Michigan. Okay. <laughs> he talked me into it. Well, I mean, if you could get somebody's going to let us go down to where it's nice, warm, and clear, I'm all for that. Well, I, Hell, I Jim didn't... can have the rescue boat down there waiting for us. That's right. Well, that does it for Scuba in the News this week. Uh, we had a post from Rod, and uh, this is from uh, down there. I, I, God, I feel bad now. I can't remember where he's at. New Zealand, I think. He says, I just listened to the latest podcast. Excellent, insightful as ever. Now on the way home from di- uh, from a day's dive. As I say, it's a little warmer down here than it is in Michigan now. Air temp here is 85 degrees Fahrenheit. The water temp is 76 Fahrenheit. That's 60 feet. Poor baby. Yeah, he sounds like he's got it rough. said, we had a business auditor out for the day, and New Zealand government has brought in legislation where anybody offering outdoor adventure sports must comply with a lengthy annual audit of their business and standard operating procedure. It has not gone well with any businesses due to the viewed intrusion into their business and the approximately $5,000 per year annual cost. So it appears that if you're a outdoor business in New Zealand, you're being charged $5,000 a year, plus you get audited. I wonder how it's that doing for the economy. Mm. I wonder if they were a Republican and get, they got audited. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, the parties are in uh, New Zealand what they call them. I think everybody's got their left and right parties. Well, you figure they're socialists down there anyway, at least in Australia. Yeah. Don't really know what New Zealand is. Well, the, the thing that's going on now, if you if you see that part of the world, everybody all of a sudden is is ditching the Union Jack and their flags. Seems to be in the, the news recently. Uh, there's a big that, stink where uh, the prime minister in the UK reenacted naming knights to territories. And uh, named one to uh, New Zealand, and that got everybody kind of worked up. I don't know anybody from New Zealand. Do you guys? Yeah, we we got I got a neighbor down the street here who's from New Zealand. Really? I haven't talked to him in a few years. Yeah, he's uh, if you go to the end of the road here, take a left, take a right. He's right in there, and he spends the winters in Mi- the summers in Michigan and the winters in New Zealand, and he's from New Zealand. Wow. He's been doing that for about twenty, thirty years. Well, I know Fiji is redesigning its national flag to get rid of the Union Jack. Yeah. I think that was the article I was reading was the one talking okay. about Fiji. But then there was also, uh, yeah, let me see. Ah, it's probably not that important. I was going to do a Google search. but yeah, They weren't bad. They were just going to do it to reflect Fiji's position in the world as a modern and truly independent nation state. Yeah, because they, they were uh, 50 years ago, I believe, they declared their independence yeah. or were allowed to be independent. So let's see. Since we... Did the show? We haven't done the show the last two weeks. There should be a whole lot of diving going on. I, I don't bl- think there's any diving going on. Well, there. I don't think uh, we've had a podcast since the ice dive. So how'd that go? 
I thought it went excellent. Uh, we had seven divers. We had uh, five club. We had two gentlemen who joined us. One was from California who is from Michigan, but lives in California, joined us. And we had a gentleman from Paw Paw area, not Paw Paw Lake, Paw 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 Paw, uh, joined us and uh, his girlfriend or wife. Uh, she provided surface support, which was nice, and kept time for some of the divers. And the GPS uh, readings that we had from Sweeney were like five or six feet from the from the docking. So when we got the hole straight down to the right, bingo, there it was. Wow. Visibility was not as good as we had three years ago when we did the line list. Yeah. So we did put a tether down to the dock. Um, everybody who dove, most everybody used bailout. Uh, the two gentlemen who dove with us had ice experience already and also had bailout. And uh, Bob went in first, did some good videos of the other people coming in. Uh, I had a line on one one individual till they got comfortable, and then they unclip on the stage, so I knew about it. But by the time the last three got in, that was Ken, Larry, and myself, uh, it was a little stirred up. And we have some video of people dragging their, their gauges through the, the muck at the bottom. <laughs> and it wasn't anybody we know just listening right to a second. Okay. And if you had, you know, the saying, go towards the light, well, you really want to make sure you know which light you're going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, because uh, normally when, so much, I, I understand. Snow, so we couldn't do the wagon wheel. Right. You didn't have snow, so we couldn't do the wagon wheel. Right. So you just didn't get far away from the platform yeah. so you could find your way back to the upline. Yeah. And so so people don't know we, what we're talking about is when you do an ice dive, uh, you'll clear snow away from the hole and you make a triangle hole because that gives you a place to get in and out. You know, you could, it's like if you've ever gone to a pool edge and pushed out. Well, if you do a corner of a triangle, you've got a good place to to pull yourself in and out. And then in and out of a triangle point than it is a square corner. Right. Yeah. And then what you do is you make, if you imagine a compass, you would create a circle around the hole and then make lines, you know, north, south, east, west, you know, usually what, eight to 10 lines. Spokes on a wheel. So it spokes on a wheel. Yeah. It looks like an old wagon wheel with a hole in the center. And so if you were to, normally when you do ice dive, you're tethered. And if you somehow came off the tether, it gives you a way of gauging your direction back to the hole. Even though there's protocols of what you should be doing if you got separated from your line that we're not going to go into here. Right, right. Yeah, no, this is not a, we're not teaching you how to do an ice dive. We're just trying to give you a little bit of background so you understand what we're, we're talking about. And Back there, and you guys will be available to dive this again this Sunday. You're talking about doing another one. I, I think I can. I just got to get clearance. And then... I may have to borrow a tank from somebody. Not a problem. I know and, where I can and, and here's the reason why. Because you, I, when I had to Chicago, I didn't want to have a bunch of scuba gear in my vehicle. So I took the gear and I put it next to my vehicle. And if you remember about that time, we were having a time when there was like maybe an inch of snow on the ground. So my tanks were very visible. And then we had two feet of snow in about six hours. And my dive buddy, Jim Kleeman, came and plowed my driveway, and my tank has disappeared. <laughs> so you'll find it in the spring, huh? Yeah, I'll find it in the spring along with my dive flag. I got a metal detector. <laughs> I'm just hoping that the, the tank's in good shape. Uh, it wasn't one that's due for hydro, but maybe it might need a hydro. We'll see how bad it looks. <laughs> yeah, so the snow plow is uh, taking my uh, my tank. I do. I still. I still do have another tank, but that one does need a hydro, so I got to drop that off and 
get that one done. So yeah, I'll, I'll need to borrow a tank for the weekend. And if anybody does or interested, they can always go to the club website, take a look at it. We got a video up for it. Yep. So that's mugclub.scubaobsessed.com. And I'm trying to remember if I watched the video or not. I gave Bob extra, I gave him a thumb drive the other day when I saw him of the extra time because I, I did video on the second half. Uh-huh. He did it on the first half. Oh, okay. So you can see the difference in the visibility by the time we got down there. But it was still very, very nice. Yeah, it doesn't, and it, it doesn't take much. It's because, uh, as I understand, somebody said that, you know, some divers were kicking it up and they were a good six to eight feet off the bottom. It's just if you're not doing a frog kick, if you're doing a flutter kick, those eddies off the end of your fins travel down and they can stir that silt up real quickly. But it was a good dive, good day. Uh, surface temperatures was excellent. Wind quit. So we had a good time. And hopefully this weekend, uh, Jim, you guys will have an excellent day out there. Well, I just posted a note. I've got to get a head count, see how many are going, because it's only three or four. It's going to be difficult to make it happen. Okay. Well, I've got two, I got two possibles on the that I've heard from, and then you I thought Kevin was in, Yeah, I thought you had. I thought you had at least three plus yourself as four. No, but like right you said, getting a, a solid is one item. Yeah, right now it's uh, Ted's a possible, Kevin's a probable, and I'm in. That's all that I know of. You yeah. two would make five. Yeah, because I thought Darren was going to. So I would have given yeah. you. Your, I gives yeah, you two up and two down. Four. Yeah. yeah, two up and two down. We've done that before. Yeah. So what yeah. what what's the time that we're planning on? Is that uh, uh, meet at the lake at noon. Meet at the lake at noon. Okay. And is that near Allegan Martin? Yes. Uh, okay. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You can get you can get there from there. Yeah. If you just yeah. go towards Martin and the um, if you went to the club site, we have Lake 16 listed with the directions. Yeah. And then I I understand that uh, Rich is also doing ice dives at White Star this weekend. This is their official ice dive weekend. Yeah. I saw a post that uh, you got to have a card. Yeah. You have to have a, a card. They'll check it when you're there. And I don't know if you've got time, if you haven't gotten a card, how long, what it would take to get one. I imagine there's a classroom portion to his ice diving course. Okay. Do we got anything to plug? Yes, sir. February 27th, March 1st, Our World Underwater. That's number 43 at the Rosemont in Illinois. Ah. Uh, We'll have a club meeting on the 17th, so there may be a listing of people who are going. And even if we all don't carpool, at least we'll know other people we'll see when we get there. Yeah. On March 7th is the Great Lakes Shipwreck Festival, and that one's at Weeshaw College in Ann Arbor. And again, you can check this on the Internet. And then you've got coming up in March, 13th and 14th, and 15th, I have, oh, yeah, 13th, 14th, 15th annual ghost ships in Milwaukee. Again, nice place because they usually have something on rebreathers. Quite often they have come and try some. So you got to take some gear and cost you a couple of shekels, but really fine opportunity to get some uh, hands-on classroom and water time. And they generally have really good videos, and they tell about wrecks that have been recently discovered more so than at Our World Underwater. And if you're into techie diving, they're displays, and they sell some neat stuff there. And the last one is the 21st, 22nd, is the Scuba Fest, and that one's in Columbus, Ohio. It's like uh, the Great Lakes Shipwreck, only in the Ohio branch. So consider those for going. Gives you something to do on a snow day or a cold day. Yeah. Yeah, and what we'll do have to do is uh, listen to the show the day, the weekend, the week before the podcast, and you'll find out if we're going to anyone in particular. I know we've had fans show up and then be disappointed we weren't there. And uh, with this time of year and weather and other things, it's hard to plan too far out. And it is nice to know that because if we knew somebody's going to be in, you know, Chicago, for example, we try to make arrangements. We'd be there sometime because we normally go for the high noonish. We stay a couple hours to do the displays, and then we beat feet and go eat. Yeah, yeah. If you've if you've done the show, 
annually like many of us have, uh, there's not a whole lot to see to the show. You really have to do the whole package if you want to fill a couple days, which is you go and you see all the seminars and, and do things. If you just go into the floor, you know, you've got the normal equipment vendors will have booths. You got a lot. It seems like it's largely dominated, at least in our world underwater, by the, the travel companies. I take it travel. A lot of travels in our world. Now, I have found out there are going to be manufacturers there. Yeah. And then a lot of people, uh, like dive shops, will be sending people there because that's where they can get some of their recertifications for uh, equipment. Yeah. Only only one this year. Only, only one's only doing one, it? Only one, yeah. Wow. The uh, visual tank specs, the only, only uh, program that basically... Uh, shop recertification program that's the only thing i've seen is visual tank inspection huh so is everybody else is is the thinking that they're just expecting everybody else to go to dema then well if manufacturers could have come out with a lot of online training oh so that's qualifying for people then yeah yeah it, it makes sense yeah online training is a whole lot cheaper if you don't have to send somebody someplace you want me to give you a quick rundown on the uh seminars yeah this one's for yeah, our world underwater there. sure yeah I, well number one is dive travel room and that's just what it says it's where to go and dive uh nice site real good warm water the next one is called dive with the pro a lot of that is going to be underwater photography umbilical diving and pony redundancy that pony pack i don't know if anybody's seen that new one it's a different system they use that just just think of pony pack redundant. Take a look at it. It's pretty interesting. Uh, like white diver rebreather. This is where you have your video stuff, how to take a picture, diving safety. What does age have to do with it? Then dive the world. Just what it says. Great Lakes, Borneo, shark. Then they got wonders of the sea. And that's a lot of sharks, lionfish, uh, Great Lake sturgeon, which is a special one. And the one most of us used to go to is uh, shipwrecks and underwater archaeology. And that's where they'll talk about the U-8869, the shadow divers, talk about the best ship diving around. A lot of the ones in our area, the Morel by Trotter, Carl Bradley, and then you have dive medicine, which is always a good one. And it's similar to that for the next day. That's your normal seminars you're having this time. Okay. And Jim was right. The only clinic one I see is for the Divator technical course. And then there's a Friday seminar for TDI, for tank inspection, eddy current inspection, all those things. And you have one OTS on the Guardian face mask seminar. Oh, that's right. And then the film festival is normally at night. So there's a good bit. If you've never been, lots of opportunities, and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. yeah well, look at, looking forward to hitting at least one of these shows this year. And for ourselves, everybody's still prepping. We know we're going up to Sheboygan September 1st. That's direct diving. Mackinac and Sheboygan and 5 and 6 is the normal one down in, <clears throat> down in Sheboygan for Duncan Bay and the river. Yes. Yeah, I haven't been able to make it, but that's been, a, it's, as my kids get older, that gets to be tougher and tougher uh, that time of the year. Well, we've got the Club Steak Fry, which is August 22nd. Yes. And we've been doing it. The drift dive last year was really a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we've done that drift dive a couple of years now. And you can always take the kayak if you don't want to drift dive. And yeah. it, it's turned out to be more popular than going grubbing even. Because yeah. it's in, you're going down, you're not waiting for somebody later, and everybody gets there about the same time, you know, and you get out. So that's been pretty a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ScoobObsessed. We're also on Facebook.com forward slash ScoobObsessed. We love those five-star reviews on iTunes. Go ahead and leave us one, and if you have some Nice things to say. We love to hear it. If you want to give us some feedback, even if it's not so nice, you can send it to us at the show at scoobobsess.com, which makes me think I got somebody who I have to get back to. Somebody sent me an email, and I can't remember now. I need to go look. 
And then we also have our website, www.scubaobsessed.com, which I still haven't updated. I've got about four websites I've got to do, so mine always ends to ends up being last. But when I get to it, it's going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Yeah, it'll be nice. Boy, it works. Do you, do you say that with that Cats in the Cradle song? Oh, Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay see here i think we're getting to that time of the show i don't i don't have anything else to stall you got anything you want to plug jim no no sales Just where you're at what about wolves na- now now is a great time to get your gear into the shops for annual services you got a discount there guys yeah join join the you join the preserve you you can get some free air are you still doing that for this year also jim plan to excellent When's the open house, by the way? Uh, Wolf's open house is third weekend in March, which would be the twentieth, twenty-first. So that'll be about the uh, same time. We'll be, you mean we'll be twenty-first, twenty-second. We'll be at the same or weekend 20, that we'll 21st, do twenty-first, twenty-second. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. Will that be the same weekend we'll do a dive on the Havana? Uh, actually, that's sportsman dinner presentation. We'd like to have other people. Remember, we got invited to go do that again, like we did last year. Sportsman's uh, is that the uh, did you, is that where you did the presentation? What lies beneath? No, that was the one at the uh, the church. They have one for of all items, like a gun show and outdoor sportsman events and. Oh, okay. And we went there and had a presentation last year. Okay. Or a showing. Nice. Okay. Well, I think we're to that time of the show. You guys ready? Ever ready. Ready. Okay, and let me move this to where my old eyes can see it. Oh. A man walks into his therapist's off office looking very depressed and says, "Doc, you're going to have to help me." I just can't go on like this. What appears to be the problem, asked the therapist. Well, I'm 35, and I just have no luck with the ladies. No matter what I try, I just seem to scare them away. My friend, this is not a problem. You just need to work on your self-esteem. That's all. Each morning, I want you to get up, run to the bathroom mirror, tell yourself you're a good person, a fun person, an attractive person. Say it with real conviction. Within two weeks, you'll have women buzzing around you. The man seemed happy with this advice, left the office happy. Three weeks later, the therapist runs into him at the local mall, but the man still seems to be downtrodden with that look on his face. Well, did you take my advice or not? Oh, it worked all right. The past three weeks, I've had some of the best moments of my life with some of the most attractive women I've ever met. So what's the problem then? Oh, I don't have a problem with it. My wife does. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there's there's a little bit more to the story. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole yeah, matter of context. Mm-hmm. Until next week, go out there and get wet and stay safe. And if you're smart, keep your wife happy and your girlfriend separate. <laughs> Guys are so bad. Oh, what the heck is going on here? I thought you guys would comment about my "Are you smarter than a groundhog?" post. Are you smarter than a groundhog? Yeah, didn't you see that? No, the recording that? has been completed. Oh, I posted it on the Wolf's Facebook page. 
If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors.